Welcome to the CCM Deep Dive Podcast as we go song by song and story by story through some of Christian music's most influential albums with the artists who created them. It's time to grab your coffee and settle in. Let's go. We could do the VH1, but after the commercial. (laughs) We could, but we're not. (laughs) Welcome to what we are calling Loose Ends, the 12th and final episode featuring the guys from Whiteheart as we spent the past few months breaking down their 1989 album Freedom. But before we get into what the guys did after this album and what they are up to now, there was a bonus song on the album they slipped in just after The River Will Flow. Hey, Dale, did y'all go over Set the Bridge on Fire? Guitarist Gordon Kennedy. Oh, okay. And Consummate Funny Man. Oh, I'm not going to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to know. I just wanted, yeah, no, I I thought you were doing all the songs from that record. Set the Bridge on Fire was written by singer Rick Florian, keyboardist Mark Gershmill, and guitarists Gordon Kennedy and Billy Smiley. It wasn't part of the original release of the album, but it did appear later. It was just on the CD. Here's Mark Gershmill. When we've crossed over difficult times, and, you know, I, um, I always say as a song to songwriters, is you would never drive on a bridge if it, it went nowhere. Why would you write a bridge that went nowhere? You know, and and but the same is true on the other side of it is what what you achieve when you've gone through life. And if there's something that's awful behind you, burn that behind you. You know, that's what this is about. Get, you know, make your break with the past as difficult as that can be. I mean, I, I have a picture of a, of a in my head of a young woman who um, was involved with a lot of drugs in her life. And now she's uh, married to uh the son of a, a woman pastor and works at the church and she had to set the bridge on fire. You know, she got out of her drugs condition, you know, and she's this marvelous, wonderful woman, just loves God. So full of his spirit. She had to cut the ties. Unfortunately, people that she cared about just, but some of that was, I also need to let go of everything that was in my past in my life. If, if I'm going to make this clean break to the living God, I need to leave behind the dirt of my past, and he's going to help me do that. And so set it on fire. Get past that moment. You know, it has. it's almost that – that's a hard song for, to sing for it. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but it's also demonstrative of the fact that we, we, need to, we need to put it in the past. It may take some effort even, but we, we got to leave that thing in the past. Well, that's because it was the, the uh, hardest song I ever sang in the studio. And therefore, didn't sing it live, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, that was one where Brown used an invisible whip uh, with a <laughs> smile on his face and and no malice uh, intent whatsoever. But it was just like, oh man, definitely had to take some breaks on that one. It wasn't like like I think I recall like what is that? It E flat uh, above C above middle C or whatever. 
like like the highest note or whatever that I ever sang. This wasn't necessarily the highest note, but there was a lot. It just hung up there so long. Ah, 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 just kept beating <laughs> upon me with a wet noodle. It was horrid, but uh, anyway. Well, somehow, sometimes it's how a, a word sits in your voice. And how a song projects. If you listen at the end of Freedom, where Rick always sings "Frey" instead of "Free." Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's how that's how it gets out of his mouth. And that that was a particular. So the high note on that was it got up. It did get up to an E in the falsetto part, but it's a, a C. But it's just where it's sitting. You sit way above that, especially on on what I think is one of your greatest vocal performances ever, "Little Drummer Boy." You're singing higher than that a lot. And it's just like, oh my gosh, how he sings on that song. It's just, yep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. that song i mean i that's one of those things where you just say how did it how did that even happen that he did that but magical yeah i surprised myself on that song <laughs> you can hear how much these guys love being around each other and after 40 years of friendship they hand out compliments to each other like halloween candy but still after all of that time you would think there might be just a little bit of dirt that could be stirred up <laughs> hey, we well, could go there <laughs> we, we we care more about each other now than we ever have. I mean, I can honestly say that there's more love and appreciation than there ever has been. And that to me is one of the the richest side effects of having done this in the beginning is now I got these great friends. Amen to that. But we could do the VH1, but after the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> we could, but we're not. <laughs> So while there isn't any dirt to stir up per se, there are still some good tales after freedom. Chris McHugh, Gordon Kennedy, and Tommy Sims each left the band after this album. Chris went on to become a fantastic A-list session drummer in Nashville, although he did return to play on Whiteheart's Tales of Wonder album. He later toured with Amy Grant and Garth Brooks before Keith Urban hired him to be his music director and drummer for several tours. Gordon and Tommy both became Nashville session players as well, and continued writing together along with prolific songwriter Wayne Kirkpatrick. The three of them teamed up to write Change the World, first recorded by Winona, before Babyface and Eric Clapton cut their version for the movie Phenomenon, and earning the writing trio a Grammy for Song of the Year. In the mid-1990s, Gordon formed the band Dogs of Peace, which released two studio albums. In 1999, he also developed a friendship with Peter Frampton, eventually leading to tours and producing the albums Now and Fingerprints, the latter earning Gordon's second Grammy. Shortly after Frampton retired from touring back in 2019, 
Gordon found a new gig that is still ongoing. Um, well, I just finished doing four years of stadium shows with Garth Brooks. And so going forward, he's going to do two years of uh, a residency gig in Vegas where it's he's calling it a one man show. But the band is on site and he might he's telling us, call us up one at a time. Hey, Gordon, come up and grab an acoustic and sing this song with me. Or let's have the whole band come up and do friends in low places, whatever it's going to be. And those are those. It's three trips per year, like two weeks, two and a half weeks each trip. When he's not running out to Vegas to join Garth. Great boss. The best. Yes, him. He still keeps busy at his home in Brentwood, Tennessee. Something I'm very excited about. Uh, I saw Skaggs the other day and he's saying we are definitely doing. We, we've been calling it Mosaic, a sequel to the Mosaic record. And he said, unless Jesus takes him first, we are doing, he said, I promise we are doing that album. He's fixing his studio up right now, doing some construction. So I'm thinking once that gets done, then we'll, we'll get back, we'll go back to doing the sequel. So that's what's immediately, other than having lunch with these gentlemen here that you uh, have us, uh, have gave me an opportunity to be with today, uh, whom I love dearly. I think we're going to go grab a bite to eat together. Come on! <laughs> the immediate future. Yeah. Tommy was a third member of the band to depart after the Freedom album, and he also stayed home to do session work. Once my daughter was born, um, you know, I decided that the road was not the best place for me to be. Eventually, though, Tommy got a call from somebody he just couldn't pass up. I had been working on some projects in L.A., picking up session work out there, and I got a call from someone in Springsteen's office saying that, you know, Somehow they'd gotten my name from, you know, somewhere or whatever and wanted me to come over to this jam session they were having. But somewhere in the process of me going over there and doing the jam sessions, I found out how they found out about me. The manager pulled me into the kitchen of the place and he tells me that Randy Jackson, bass player, now famous for American Idol and all these different things, Randy wound up somehow suggesting my name as as somebody for them to check out i would meet him like a year later almost a year later at bruce's house we were taking a little break from the tour and i finally met randy and i i just asked him how in the world did you know about it? turns out he was great friends with a guy from the bay area who went by the name of charlie peacock that CCM recording artist, Charlie Peacock, who also penned Every Heartbreak with Amy Grant and In the Light, which DC Talk covered on their Jesus Freak album, as well as produced the Civil War's multi-Grammy winning debut album. So if you were following the chain of events, Charlie hired Tommy in the early 1990s to play bass on a project. A couple of years later, Randy Jackson heard Charlie's album and asked about Tommy. Then just a couple of years after that, Randy recommended Tommy to Bruce Springsteen. Out of that time with Springsteen, there is one notable project that Tommy shares with the boss. Springsteen wrote Streets of Philadelphia, plays every instrument, and produced it himself. All of it with one exception, Tommy singing background vocals along with Bruce Springsteen.
After his run with Springsteen, Tommy worked mostly in studios writing and producing, before taking an extended leave away from the music industry. He has since returned and is busier than ever. You know, it's it's busy, man. It's it's all over the map. Uh, you know, I took about eight years away from this altogether. Really, for me, the reason to come back was, you know, I, I, I have to do everything I can with this gift before I leave here, you know. Uh, otherwise, I've I've done a great disservice to the gift and, and the giver of the gift. Billy Smiley, along with Mark Gershmel, is the only original member who appeared on all 11 studio albums. After Whiteheart, he got deeper into production and writing. Most recently, he has joined forces with Petra's lead singer, John Schlitt, Jarza Clay's lead singer, Dan Hazeltine, and DC Talk alum, Kevin Max, to form the supergroup, The Union of Sinners and Saints. Rick Florian, the lead singer who Mark Gershmel called the servant on stage who can sing like a madman, after close to 40 years of tours, is now enjoying life off the road. Other than a guest appearance on a Yep album, I don't think that... uh... If you know of anybody in the market that's moving to Nashville for real estate, I've been doing it 27 years, and I'd love to help them find a home uh, or sell their home if they're relocating to another. No, that's really real estate's my full-time gig now, and I'll do a one or two things for friends, studio-wise or something, every once in a while. But uh, I like not going on the road anymore. Uh, I love looking at birds in my backyard uh, you know, although I used that shotgun there to go dove hunting. So that's all, that's kind of weird combination too. Um, but it's, I, I, I just like, I grew up as someone who didn't travel like farmlands of India. You just stay there. And why would you go somewhere? And I have found that place again, where I really love not doing things. And because I'm doing stuff all the time, just not going places. Keyboardist, songwriter, storyteller, and spiritual leader from stage, Mark Gershmel, the soulful voice with a pastor's heart. Post-Whiteheart, Mark has kept busy with new projects, including a solo album called Awakening. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I continue to um, I'm produ- produce some people here and there, and uh, but we have a, a duo that my wife, Bryn, who is from the band Rachel Rachel, She's a wonderful, wonderful writer. She played keyboards in that band, but she plays acoustic guitar in, in what we do. She's just, uh, uh, she, I always say the two most interesting background vocal people I know are Gordon Kennedy and my wife. They're just, they look at things differently. So, and it's, 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 it's more of a subdued thing. Uh, she has a wonderful, fragile voice that she uses differently in, in our setting than, than uh, she did in Rachel Rachel. And so that's a, that's a real joy for us. So it's called Soul Breather. You can check us out on, on, on the internet, on Facebook, uh, we, at soulbreather.com. There's no life in me, but I cannot breathe. There's no life in me without you. There's no
That, that remains a joy for me, and and I'm I'm working on a book related to that, and so we'll we'll see how that comes out. We're also going to be doing some. Uh, there'll be some more. Um, we're going to do a series of things called Catch Your Breaths for people, hmm. just short video things. That cool title. Hopefully, to bring some light and hope to people. So hmm. great title. You just said roll tide. Did somebody just say roll tide? I said great title. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm just going to turn you off right now. I'm just... <laughs> Thank you for listening to the CCM Deep Dive with the guys from White Heart, breaking down their pivotal 1989 album, Freedom. Thank you to Mark Gershmill, Gordon Kennedy, yeah. Rick Florian, and Tommy Sims for their time, stories, and insights. Special thank you to Scott Bernard and Marvin Sims for production assistance and artist conversations led by Gail Thompson. Thank you for listening and join us next week as we start another CCM Deep Dive. Come over to Barber's now and you can hear more stories. Yep. (laughs) Sounds great. Bye. So long. Thank you, my kids. See ya. You too, my friend. Thank you.